This episode is brought to you by HP+. In a world full of smart devices, isn't it about time your printer got smart too? Now printing is smart with HP+. And the HP Smart app is how it all happens. You can print from your phone with just a tap, no matter where you are. Even from your garage slash home office slash yoga studio. Huh, that is smart. HP+. Learn more about smart printing at hp.com slash smart. Leadership is a responsibility, not a position. Welcome to Leading from the Front with Dr. Gary McGrath, where experienced leaders share their own brand of leadership to help you develop and improve your own leadership capabilities. And now, here's your host, Dr. Gary. Hello, I'm Dr. Gary, making good bosses into great leaders with compassionate accountability. Here once again with our podcast, Leading from the Front. And today's guest is someone who has been working with a large company. I'll let her explain all the ins and outs of this large company, eTech Global Services, as the Chief Operating Officer. Very, very excited to have Kayleen Eccles as our guest today. Hello, Kayleen. How are you doing? Hello, Dr. Gary. I'm great. Thank you for having me. Tell everybody where you're located because I can't even pronounce it. <laughs> we are headquartered out of Nacogdoches, Texas. It's in yes, East Texas. <laughs> I'm not surprised you maybe haven't heard of it. I hadn't heard of it until I moved here about 13 years ago. Well, actually, I lived in El Paso, Texas, and going through Texas, it's a city that with, with such a unique name that you do hear about when you live in Texas. So I had heard about it. So it's um, it's world-renowned, I think. It is. It's the oldest town in Texas and uh, probably one of Texas's best-kept secrets. So let's talk about this career of yours that started in Texas 13 years ago. But before that, I know you were with Dun & Bradstreet and other companies. Uh, talk a little bit about your background and your education, if you would, please. Sure, absolutely. So I am a small town girl. I grew up in North Dakota and started my contact center career with Dun & Bradstreet. I spent 10 years there about, and uh, I was a call center agent making outbound sales calls, updating business information reports, and such a great opportunity to really learn the call center business. I was an agent. I was a recruiter, a trainer, a contact center manager. I did vendor management. So really had a lot of great opportunities there to learn and grow. And then about 13 years ago, I discovered eTech and have been here ever since. So let's go back to that beginning because it, it seems there's a lot of things that we learned when we were young. You're making those outbound calls. You're doing those things. At the time, it might not seem like you're absorbing as much as you do. At least that's been my experience. What couple of things do you remember back to those days that you still rely on today that serves you? I think the most important thing is to really listen and build relationships with people. You know, people will buy from people they like. And I think you have to listen to really understand people and understand what their needs are. And that's true no matter whether you're calling someone on the phone or you're, you're sitting face-to-face -face with them. Yeah, we often say in our programs that listening is the greatest gift you can give to somebody, right? Just shut up and listen. <laughs> you know? Absolutely. Yeah. So let's fast forward a little bit to eTech. You started with eTech and you've had multiple positions there. Tell me a little bit about some of your background with eTech. Sure. I started as a, a call center director. I was a 
call center director for both the Nacogdoches, Texas location in Lufkin, Texas, and just worked my way up in operations, was assistant vice president of operations, where I started working with our global centers in India and Jamaica, and of course, all of our U.S. centers and uh, vice president of operations. And then in 2017, I uh, had the privilege of becoming the chief operating officer. So this is great because as you talk about your career, start at the bottom, become a manager, director, AVP, VP, senior VP, COO, up and down. What are some of the differences you think that you've seen or, or felt in the different levels in the way you interact with people? Or are there any differences in the way you interact with people and the, the things that are priorities and the things that are important to you as a first level director versus a senior level C-suite leader? That's a great question. I think a lot of it is similar. It's just that your influence tends to grow in terms of the number of people that you're able to touch and to collaborate with. Do you find that because there's a higher number now that you have to be more careful with what you say and how you say things? I'm not sure if careful is the right word, but I definitely am intentional. Okay. About what I say. And I really want to make sure that it's not how much you say, but it is certainly what you say. And people do latch on to what you say, given your role and responsibility. And you have to be mindful of that. Yeah. In one of our previous conversations, you had talked a little bit about teams and teamwork. And I got this sense that teams is an area of, of real drive and importance to you. Talk a little bit about over the years and, and even today, what do you think are some of the real key challenges and barriers to teams coming together? And what have you done to really build teams? That is a wonderful question. I think the the first priority for any leader to build teams and to build them well is selection. You have to make sure that you have the right people on your bus, so to speak. And then you have to make sure that they're in the right seats on the bus. I think the power of belief is important. You know, I had the opportunity to work with people that really believed in me. Mm -hmm. And when someone believes in you, you build trust and you don't want to let that person down. So I've had that opportunity and I want to make sure that my team understands that I believe in them and the power of our team. I'm a huge football fan. I'm a Green Bay Packers fan, by the way. Oh, sorry. uh, (laughs) No, don't be sorry. I'm very proud of my team. Hey, I lived in Green Bay for four years, so they're my number two team. I mean, so I love Green Bay. I'll step right up there and say that to you, so go ahead. We have some ups and downs, right? Yeah. For sure, as anyone does. But I'm a huge fan of football, and I do a lot of corny analogies (laughs) with my team. And the power of a team is every individual on that team. Imagine a football team where everyone's trying to be the quarterback. You know, how successful would it be? Yeah, not. Everyone's got to play their role and you have to recognize how important that role is. How do you help people recognize the importance of their role? Because sometimes it's a minor role, right? It seems so small, but they don't understand. When you see the whole picture, how important every single piece of that team is. And sometimes people don't see their own, especially when you're talking with younger people, they don't think that their job is important or they're, they're really making a difference. And yet they're like one of those keystones of things and you can see it. How do you help people know that? Certainly it can be a challenge at times, but it is important to let everyone know how they fit into that piece of the puzzle. If they were not there, what would the gap or the outcome be? 
You know, similarly, not everyone can play the same role. Not everyone can be a quarterback on a championship team. Everyone has their own individual role. But also, you can't have one person make a team. You know, if I was one person, I couldn't play every role. I can't throw the ball and catch it and win the Super Bowl. It just won't happen, right? And that just illustrates how important everyone on the team is. Yeah. So I've, I've always said that when I look at teams, I try to look at three things. Competency, and that's what you're saying, that the complementary competencies, common goal, and then building trust within the individuals. And I read on your website, it was kind of interesting as, as it talked about your bio on your website. And it says specifically that Kayleen sets big and big was in big letters, big goals. <laughs> you like to set big goals. And you talk about championships. How do you do that like in your organization? What's a big goal for, for eTech Global? How do you look at that? Well, I think that all starts with our vision. Our president and CEO, you know, helped establish a vision years ago. And our vision is to make a remarkable difference hmm. for each other, our customers, and within our communities. And remarkable certainly is a big goal because uh, remarkable it really is always about the journey because once you achieve something, it's no longer remarkable. There's always another another destination, another level. And so it's really about our vision at eTech and trying to always improve and to help each other achieve our goals, our customers achieve their goals. And when we do that, it's an enabler for us to invest in our communities. Yeah. We'll talk about communities in a second, but I, I just want to recognize that vision and remarkable difference in each other because everything's inside out. The work that we do at Staterius is about developing leaders from the inside out. It starts with me and then my team. And then because I've got to have character, I've got to have trustworthiness in order to be trusted. It doesn't happen any other way. So I love that. A remarkable difference for each other first and then for your customers and stakeholders. And that's that's awesome. I love that. Let's talk about, I, I saw again, I saw on the website for you, uh, the Boys and Girls Club. I've been involved with the Boys and Girls Club here in Raleigh, North Carolina, where I live uh, for quite a few years. And in our leadership program, we have a part of it that's a, a half day that's a part of the community give back. We always have a bike build and the teams bring a bike to the Boys and Girls Club and give them away to the kids, which is so much fun and often awesome. a highlight of our leadership program. And it's such a great organization. How long have you been involved with uh, Boys and Girls Club? Let's give them a plug. <laughs> <laughs> well, first of all, it's my privilege to serve on the Boys and Girls Club. And I've learned so much from working with, you know, other members of our community and those who are active within the Boys and Girls Club and, and the children that we support. And I've been with the club several years now, I don't know the exact number of years, but for the past couple of years, have been able to serve as secretary of the club. And, and that's just been a really great opportunity for me. Yeah. Yeah. I think, was it two weeks ago, I had the privilege to serve as a judge and we selected our youth of the year for it's a competition. Oh, wow. And oh. uh, in the competition, the participants, they write essays about their experiences with the club. They each wrote three essays. They do presentations about who they are and how the club has impacted them and, and how they're carrying that forward. And they do an interview as well. And I'll tell you, I just learned from them. I was so inspired 
to hear, you know, these stories from our young people here. It really makes you feel confident about the future. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. You know, we always say anytime you're a little down, just go do something for somebody else and you'll feel better about yourself, right? It's <laughs> absolutely so true. It's so true. Let's talk a little bit more, a little more, more depth about, about leadership. One of the areas that we talk about leadership a lot is coaching and mentoring. Have you had a coach or mentor in your career that has made an impact on you? I'm so glad you asked that question because I have a lot of coaches and mentors. They don't know they're my coaches or mentors. They're like my committee. <laughs> But I do have several people that have coached and and mentored me throughout the years. I always try to surround myself with people that will challenge me and challenge the way that I think. Yeah. So it's the the Kayleen Eccles Success Committee. Yes. (laughs) Good. So what are some of the things that they've challenged you with over the years that has just really been something that's kind of an epiphany that strikes you, that hits you, that woke you up or things that really helped I think one of the most important things is the power of relationships. This is something that I've had to work at throughout the years because I've always been interested in other people and learning about them and understanding them and and trying to figure out how I can help and support them. But I would be more closed about myself personally. And, you know, I'm not sure why that is, but it was just, you know, something about me. And I had to really understand that to build a relationship, it's a two-way street and building trust. And you mentioned this earlier, Dr. Gary, but it's a two-way street. And so if I really wanted to have a strong relationship with someone, I had to, you know, let them in. And for trust, you have to be trustworthy and you have to trust. Hmm. Yeah. I like Patrick Lencioni's work and the five dysfunctions of a team and the advantage. And he talks about building trust through commitment and, and getting things done, but also through vulnerability. Yes. And trust in teams is built through vulnerability. And, and that's what you're talking about by, by expressing some things about yourself personally, you're letting people know that you can be vulnerable. And also we express our flaws. It makes yes. us human, right? And yes. nothing better than to express our flaws and then ask for help. It's something that I think it took me many decades to figure that out, unfortunately. Absolutely. And it helps to build that connection. And the deeper the connection, the deeper the commitment to each other. And when we talk about teams, that's what teams really are all about, right, is is helping each other to be successful. So how do you and, and be as vulnerable, as open or not as you want to be? But how I told you I was a Packers fan. <laughs> there you go. That's enough. Right. Of course, you know, half the country is not going to listen to us because they're not Packers fans, but I don't care. That's all right. We'll have them on the show and they can talk about their uh, fanhood, so to speak. Yes, So what are some of the things other than being a Packers fan that you do share with your staff that you want them to know about you that's important? Well, some things you share based on what you say and some things you Mm -hmm. share based on what you do. The most important thing to me, of course, in any relationship is integrity, but that's more about what I do and not what about what I say. Hmm. But building a sense of team and being open with my team, I I mentioned that's something that I have to work at. So I'm very Hmm. purposeful about the interactions that I have with my team and, and building connections. We do quarterly things outside of the workplace so that we can just build that relationship. And it's important, I think, to see people, you know, in all types of environments to really learn and understand them. You know, we're working to do life together. 
And that's with my team and, and our entire e-tech team. Do life together. I like that. Yes. Okay. Tell me something that you've done recently for fun. Because you're talking about going out and having fun with people. Wow. <laughs> what have you done with your team lately to have fun? We've done zip lining. That's mm-hmm. a lot of fun. We've done escape rooms. I don't know if you've done one yep. of those, but yep. you can see some natural born leadership and you can see some stress levels rise. <laughs> Yeah. When the escape room doesn't go as planned and lunches and, you know, after work activities, anything where you can take time to be a team, we could bowl and have some fun. Yeah. Yeah. So again, one of the things that we work on within organizations is this concept of IGYB. And my brother, who is a former military officer and my whole family have 108 years of military service, we understand IGYB. I've got your back. Mm-hmm. And in order for the team to have my back, anybody new that works with me, I tell them, and I, a client, if I ever work with you, I say, look, I'm a very high intuitive in Myers-Briggs, so I don't have a good attention to detail. It's not because I don't care about detail. It's that I just don't even see it. It's almost being blind to the details. So I tell my team that so they can have my back. And anytime I send an email and it's wrong, and in our program, when I send out a video and I do something wrong, somebody tells me, They get points for that. They get rewarded for that. And I say, you're going to get rewarded for, let's go to football. If somebody fumbles the football, what happens? Someone recovers the football. Bingo. In (laughs) fact, everybody is trained from the time they're three, four or five years old, jump on the football. Yeah. Have you ever seen in a football game, the third time the running back drops the ball, he fumbles for the third time in the game. Everybody just stands turns around and go, are you kidding me? That's the third <laughs> time today. I'm not picking that up. Are you out of your mind? You need to learn to pick, hold on to that football. Have you ever seen that? No, Never. because the team has a common goal to win. Now they take the guy to the sidelines and they pop him upside the head and say, hold on to the football. And they go through a program to help with that. But business sometimes misses out on that. That because somebody makes the same mistake two or three times, they stop helping the person. And I think that with a football analogy, it's a great one with a common goal that says, when we don't help each other and we don't have each other's back, we're losing the game. Yeah, absolutely. It's important to have ongoing development, but it's also important to understand the strengths of everyone on the team. You asked about some things that I do with my team. So we have a monthly connect meeting when I bring in my leaders and their leaders. And the next activity we have planned actually at the end of February, we just did a uh, strengths finder test mm-hmm. yep. assessment and everyone will be bringing their strengths back to that team meeting so we can help share, mm-hmm. you know, what every person on the team is strong at. So, you know, when you have an opportunity, who to go to, who can help you with that. That's awesome. So let me just interject here. Are you familiar with strength-based leadership as well? I've not heard. No. Okay, so I highly recommend it because you can tie this into the team that you're doing because what strength-based leadership does is it takes your strength finders profiles, those five strengths, Uh and puts them into four domains of execution, relationship building, influencing, and strategic thinking so that you can look at a team and put them in a chart that puts them in those four domains based on strengths. And you can see where the team is strong, where the team might need some areas of help, who is strong in what areas. Actually, in our company, we've developed a problem-solving methodology using those strengths at the appropriate time. 
Because what you don't want is when you're brainstorming some ideas, you don't want an execution person stopping the brainstorming and go, well, wait a minute, how are we going to get that done? How, how do we do? That's not the appropriate time. You want the strategic thinkers to be doing that. So there's a role appropriate way to apply those strengths to those domains that I think you would find very interesting. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You're, you're welcome to my committee. Awesome. <laughs> I love it. I just got, I think I just got drafted to the Green Bay Packers. <laughs> Otherwise known as Alien Success uh, Team, right? That's great. Absolutely. Well, good. We'll take all of that stuff about strength finders out of this whole thing, but I just, I didn't want to lose the opportunity because you can just put those domains up in a spreadsheet and have people kind of look at it. And it's really, it's a fascinating exercise. Adds yeah, another absolutely. dimension to it. So good. I'm going to follow up with you on that. I'd love to. So let's go back to one of the other questions that I always, this is my, like my favorite question. If you could write a letter to yourself and send it back 15 or 20 years, based on what you've learned over the last 15 or 20 years, what would you like to say to yourself? What advice or coaching would you give Kayleen if you could go back in time? Yes. I'm glad that you asked this question because I never thought about this question prior to you asking me this question. I would say that trust and believe in yourself mm. and don't let doubt or fear of failure hold you back. Mm. I'm a bit of a perfectionist. I like things to be a certain way and you never want that to hold you back because you don't learn unless you trust and believe in yourself. Don't let the fear of failure hold you back because that's how we learn and grow. There's a reason there's a best-selling book called Failing Forward, right? Yes. And I would also say that it's important to make today count. Sometimes we can get so focused on what happened in the past or what can happen in the future that we're not here in the present. And I would say make today count and enjoy the journey. Yeah. Good words of advice. Of course, we wouldn't listen to ourselves. I mean, you know, <laughs> we, we knew all the answers back then, right? Certainly did. Yeah. But trust and believe in yourselves, I think, is a biggie because when I think of what happens to us coming out of school, we're supposed to be good at all subjects. And what's really exciting is you talking about strength finders and people recognizing what their strengths are as adults and focus on those. Nobody ever became famous by focusing on their weaknesses. But we judge ourselves and we judge others based on weaknesses rather than seeing the strength in others. And if we can yeah. do that, teams just can be amazing. And I have my team will turn to me sometime. And get, well, Gary, it was right in the email. You didn't read it? I'm like, no, it was like three sentences long. It's a detail. I didn't read that whole email. I'm sorry, <laughs> but put it in bullets or I miss it. You know. And they're like, oh, yeah, I forgot. And we can laugh about it. We can, I can laugh about the things that seem to be my limitations. And we actually, we don't talk about weaknesses. We talk about limitations. Right. Okay. And we reposition that. I have these limitations. Okay. So what? Let me look at my strengths and let's build on that. Build on strengths. Absolutely. I agree. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about this building of relationships and trust. It's a favorite subject of mine because if I would have written a letter back to myself, and for me, it would be 40 years ago, I would have told myself to spend more time building relationships and really understanding how to do that. I've done a much better job of that in the last 20 years, but as an engineer and manufacturing in the United States Army, uh, it was about getting the job done. 
And I could have done a better job of building relationships and building trust and just taking the time with others and to hear what they have to say. Um, how do you handle situations with your team when you want to hear them and the things that they're saying are things that you know you're never going to be able to do? Hmm. And they feel very passionate about it. I think we should do this and make this happen. And, and you're like, that's eh, not going to happen. <laughs> you know? How do you handle that? I think the best way to handle it is first to listen and secondly, to ask more questions. As you ask questions, I think you help other people walk it through, right? So that's an interesting concept. How would we make that happen? How could that be put into place? What would need to happen? What resources would we need? Where would we get those resources? Uh, and as you do that, I think that whole self-discovery process helps people understand what can and can't happen. And sometimes I'm the one who's surprised at the end of it. Yeah, you might find out that you can do it, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. absolutely. And what you just described as a coaching model, you're just coaching them, understanding the consequence. That's really great. Well, to wrap up, is there anything... Kayleen, that you'd like to tell these young leaders out there what they ought to be focusing on, what they ought to be thinking about. The future's changing, things are changing fast. And I keep telling people that we're going to change the way we go about running a business, but we're never going to really change the way we lead each other. Yeah. Leadership isn't going to change. So what would you tell people today? I would say two truths about leadership is number one, the best type of leadership is servant leadership. Okay. If we can figure out how to add value to others. And when I say servant leadership, some people confuse that and they think it's a soft kind of leadership and it's quite the opposite, right? It is really helping people to achieve their best and holding them accountable to doing just that. And the second thing I would say is that in every situation, we should figure out how can we add value? What is it that we could do to bring value to others, to be of service, to be valuable? I would say, take the notes, volunteer for the project, raise your hand and do the work. And when you do that, remarkable things happen. Yeah, and I think that all now ties back into your trust and believe in yourself, right? Raise your hand, you know, uh, add value. Well, that's, that's some great stuff. Uh, and I, I like the way you described uh, servant leadership and we describe it as compassionate accountability. I mean, that's really the combination of the two where I'm going to hold you accountable. I care so much about you. I'm not going to let you fail. And in fact, when I talk about it, it's going to be, I'm not going to let us fail. Yeah. I really like that and adding value. That's always something that we can challenge ourselves to always add value. Love that. I do too. I think that we should just stop right there. I mean, I, I want to thank you so much for taking the time out of your day and really enjoyed talking with you. There's a lot of really good stuff in this podcast that I hope people listen to from uh, adding value and servant leadership and just trust and believe in yourself. I love that. And be in the moment. We talk about this in mindfulness. Be in the moment. Be here. Don't be in the past. Don't be in the future. Add that value today. I love it. Enjoy the journey. Enjoy the journey. There you go. Well, I thank you for this journey for the last 30 minutes. And I just really, really appreciate you taking the time. Thanks, Kayleen. Appreciate the opportunity. Thank you. Well, I am Dr. Gary, and this is Leading from the Front, where we're trying to figure out how to make good bosses into great leaders with compassionate accountability. Thank you. 
Thanks for being with us on Leading from the Front with Dr. Gary McGrath. Remember to subscribe to this podcast on Apple or wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about the work Dr. Gary is doing, visit statarius.com. S-T-A-T-A-R-I-U-S dot com. Music for Leading from the Front is provided by Peter Katz. For more of his music, visit peterkatz.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.